Uh, it's great to see you all. My name is Haynes Martin. I am the uh, pastor here at the Contemporary Service. And this is actually my third Sunday here at Martha Bowman. It's my second Sunday in this service. I preached here two weeks ago, and then on Father's Day. Last week, I was downstairs at the traditional service, and so I could hang out with you guys again here today. And so I do want to say I'm really excited to be a part of this church. Uh, if I have not met you yet, uh, please introduce yourself to me. And if I have met you, just keep introducing yourself to me. Um, I shook hands and said hi to several people downstairs at the 830 service, and I was about over 37 on the name. So I'm really, I'm not getting your names down. I will just be straight honest. So uh, please keep introducing yourself to me. Um, one thing I have figured out, this is actually really helpful, um, if really want me to get your name, take me to lunch. <laughs> that is a surefire way that I will remember your name. And if I don't learn your name and you didn't take me to lunch or dinner, then it's kind of your fault. So <laughs> take that as you will. But uh, everybody who's taking me out to eat, I've got to know their name. So just saying. Uh, but I do want to say I'm really honored and excited to work with Mary Martha Bowen. It's been a lot of fun so far. And I just know the Lord has just incredible things for us to the board, and it's going to be great. And I'm glad I get to play a little part in that. Well, today we're launching a new series, Slaughter Video, uh, Heroes. And what we're doing in this series is going to be a five-week series, and we're going to be talking about different characters in the Old Testament and talking about why they're heroes of the faith. And what can we learn from them in terms of heroic human qualities or actions that we, as Jesus followers, mean today. So we've done this series for five weeks. Today we're going to be talking about Abraham. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about Moses. Week three is going to be about King David. Week four, we're going to talk about Caleb. And then week five, we'll wrap up with a sermon on Ruth. So it's going to be pretty fun and really good. Now, this five-week series is going to take us from today all the way through July to uh, our kickoff Sunday, our back-to-school kickoff Sunday, August 7th. That's when all the schools uh, in the county and the county area will be back rocking and rolling and I mean, by the way, I, I haven't been in, I mean, I've been in graduate school, but I haven't been in like high school. It's astounding to me how early school starts now. It, it's like, it's like a crime. I feel bad. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened in the state of Georgia while I wasn't living here, but school starts August 1st or something, isn't it? That's just, that's absurd. That's absurd. So, anyway, the governor didn't ask me, so I can get away. Anyway. August 7th is our kickoff Sunday, fall kickoff, back to school kickoff. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have a huge time for you to be here. And also, August 7th is really important because that is my birthday. So, double anointing. Uh, so, I don't think there's anything planned for my birthday on that day, but I run the service, so maybe I can come up with something. So, I'll call the Scott and plan my birthday party. It'll be a lot of fun. So, anyway. August 7th. So, we're doing this series on heroes, and I just want to start by talking a little bit about how it's a funny thing with, with all of us as people. I've never met a person who didn't love the story of a hero. It's kind of a universal human thing that we like. Whether it's man, woman, child, we just love the story of a hero. Everybody loves that story. It's just a universal. We all connect with it. There's something about it that makes a hard story. So, whether it's a story, you know, that involves... You know, I grew up in the 80s, for example, so, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the awesome action hero. Like, he just, I loved his movies, but not everybody does. 
love that story, or whether it's, you know, you think about the Hunger Games with Katniss, we love the story of a single person overthrowing like a tramp, or whatever it is, we love the story of, of a single person or a group of people who face an enemy, face obstacles, face just um, circumstances that are so beyond them, that they overcome, they beat the bad guy, they save the day, whatever. We love, love that story. Every person I've ever met can answer that story. And that's why Hollywood and literature, they make stories about this because we love it. But here's the thing, I think it goes a step deeper than that, is this. We don't just love the story of the hero. We do. It's not just that we connect with it, even though we do. But I think there's a deeper issue going on, and it's this. Every single one of us have been willing to bet at some point in our life, we've all dreamed and wanted to be the hero of something. We've all dreamed of that. We've all wanted to be that at some point. Now, it's kind of a thing, especially with kids, they dream about it. I, adults, we kind of do it too. I mean, everybody of any age, we dreamt we wanted to be the hero. Um, again, growing up in the 80s, I wanted to be Maverick from Top Gun. Um, or, this is really going back. Anybody ever seen the movie Red Dawn from the 80s? It's like the greatest movie ever. It's about high school students fighting Soviet soldiers in Colorado. I mean, that's just like the coolest idea for movie ever. I so wanted to be one of those kids. And um, even my, I have a niece, for example, she's 10. And she's been reading Harry Potter. And she wants to be her mind granger. I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter how old we are, everybody has wanted, wanted to be the hero. It's just a deep desire in all of us. And so I think this series is hopefully going to connect with all of us in some way because deep down we all wanted to be a hero. And the good news is, in the kingdom of God, as followers of Jesus, we get to be a hero of sorts. Now, in the kingdom of God, Jesus is the hero. He is the hero of heroes. I mean, he's the one who saved the world. He's God. But within his heroic story of redemption and salvation, we each get to play the role of heroes, so to speak. We each have a heroic destiny and calling as we follow and serve the Lord. And so it's really cool that as members of the kingdom of God, we get to live out that desire we always had to be the hero. So through this series, we're just going to be talking about that, how to be the hero, what that means to be a hero in the kingdom of God. And yeah, I think it's going to really resonate with us. I think it's going to be very helpful. And so like I said, this is a five-week series. We cannot certainly talk about everything it means to be a hero in the kingdom of God in five weeks. It's way too short. But the things we are going to talk about, I think, will be very beneficial. So I'm looking forward to it. So we said we're going to focus on a guy named Abraham today. And um, as we talk about Abraham, I kind of want us to understand the direction, the angle for this uh, sermon today, and really this whole series. Um, we're going to be looking at basically one heroic um, action for each of these people that we're going to be talking about. Um, when we were growing up, actually, I, I get this question a lot as an adult in, like, icebreaker days. Anybody ever ask you, if you have one superhero quality, what would it be? And so that's kind of a famous icebreaker. People ask kids that. Um, everybody, not everybody, most people say something like they wish they could fly or be invisible. My answer to that question would be uh, superhuman strength, mainly because I would never get tired of people saying, oh, let's get Haynes to lift that. He can lift anything. Like, I, would just, I would never get tired of hearing that. That would be awesome. In fact, that's never been said about me. So, like, <laughs> even if you just lied to me and said it once, you would really feel desire in my heart to just know that. That could be your birthday present to me. So, August 7th, keep that in mind. But this whole idea of, you know, if I got one superhero quality, 
kind of with that idea, what's one thing we can learn from each of these men and women we're going to be talking about from the Old Testament? And so today we're going to come up with one specific heroic quality. And really we're talking about heroic action today. So let me go ahead and define what I mean by the word hero. I think that's probably a generally well-known word. I just want to make sure we all have the same definition. Now, the definition I would say of a hero is a person or persons who does, like, who performs a sacrificial action on behalf of someone else or others. It's just some type of sacrificial act, a sacrificial act of love on the, for the benefit of and on behalf of another person or group of people. That's kind of what we understand to be a hero. So, for example, um, a real life example would be a fireman who runs into a burning building to save someone. That is a very heroic act. I think about police officers that every day they go out and they protect and serve. That's very heroic. Another big hero of mine is uh, teachers. Every day, sacrificing, educating students, educating young people to give them a future. Uh, I think about, for example, single parents. Um, my stepmom, uh, she's a former single parent, and I just, she was unbelievable. I don't know how she did it. And there are a ton of other examples of heroic people and heroic actions. That's just to give us general idea. But a hero is someone who, or a group of people, who performs a sacrificial act of love for the benefit of, on behalf of others. And so, um, I think for a lot of us, heroic acts are pretty obvious to identify in general. Like if somebody runs into a burning building and saves someone, we're like, that's pretty heroic. But kind of the direction of this series, as we talk about each of these individuals in the Old Testament, is we're going to be talking about kind of less obvious and less kind of clear um, qualities and actions of a hero. So as we look at Abraham and Moses and David and Caleb and Ruth, it's about what are some less obvious heroic actions they took that you wouldn't recognize at first, but as we unpack them, we're going to see these less well-known heroic actions very heroic in the kingdom of God. And so that is the direction we're headed. That kind of will set us up this entire series. So let's go ahead and jump in into Genesis chapter 12. If you got your Bible, if not, it should be on the screen or you can look it up on your phone. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is uh, the start of the story of Abraham. Verse 1 The Lord had said uh, to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Okay. That's perfect. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would really speak. Um, Jesus, no one needs to hear from me. You really need to hear from me. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would just open our hearts and our minds to you. Holy Spirit, you would speak. And Lord, you would really show us what we need to learn from Abraham's life today. And Lord, I pray that anything I say, no one would hear. Lord, that you would speak. And we thank you for that. Your name. Amen. Okay, so pick up the story with this guy, Abraham. And this is Abraham's first appearance in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. And let me give you a quick biography of Abraham. His story actually spans 13 chapters in Genesis, and it's really action-packed. 
what's interesting about Abraham was, I know the story, by the way, it's called Abram. Um, that was his name. And when God called him, he changes his name to Abraham. So I'm going to call him Abraham just for no confusion. So God calls Abraham to follow him. Now, Abraham was not a follower of the Lord. He was not a follower of Yahweh at this point. Yahweh is the name of God in the Old Testament. God calls him, and Abraham becomes his follower and his disciple. And Abraham was living, and he said, uh, says he's living in Hebron. That's actually present-day Turkey. And the Lord calls him and says, hey, take your whole family, all your stuff. I want you to move countries. And it's funny, the Lord doesn't say where he's moving, but he just says, start going, and I'll let you know where you're headed. That would be really nerve-wracking if the Lord told me to sell a house and just start moving, and I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And one day he's going to be like, okay, I live there. But that's exactly what he did with Abraham. So the start of Abraham's journey with the Lord is pretty crazy. And his entire, really, relationship and following with the Lord is action-packed. Give you kind of the highlights. Abraham, he becomes very influential and really prosperous. And he really starts to rub shoulders with some pretty important people. Becomes uh, friends and allies with a lot of different kings and rulers. And what's crazy in Abraham's life, rulers would just hand him money. Like he would do nothing for them, and they would just hand him all sorts of gold and money. Um, that would be awesome if we had that one. I mean, would you imagine the president just handed you a million dollars? And that happened to Abraham repeatedly. Um, Abraham, he was a general, a military man of sorts. He had a fighting uh, squad, so to speak, with several hundred soldiers. He would plan missions, and they would go to battle, so he was a field general. Um, in one of his chapters, and he actually plans this really massive rescue of his nephew. God's about to destroy the city that his nephew is living in, and Abraham plans this rescue mission. He's like a Navy SEAL, and he gets his family out. It's really unbelievable. Um, Abraham had powerful encounters with the Lord, just real face-to-face encounters. He had this deep relationship with God. Um, he was actually, Abraham, his wife became pregnant. He had no kids at first. And he became, a, uh, his wife became pregnant. Abraham was 99 years old. And he had his first child when he was 100. So, um, that is not the ideal parenting age. I don't think. I'm 35, and after two hours with my nieces, I am ready to go home. I love them, but I just can't keep up. And so, uh, 100 would not be when I'd want to start parenting. That's what happened with Abraham. And the crazy story in Abraham's life was God later tells him to sacrifice his son as an offering to the Lord. And Abraham obeys. And right before he sacrifices his son, God intervenes. And anyway, all that to say, Abraham had a wild, crazy journey in relationship with the Lord. And within that, we see a lot of pretty obvious heroic things. He was a military commander, he rescue missions, he obeyed the Lord. There's a lot of, I think, obvious, right in front of us, heroic things. But, like we said, this series, we're talking about what are some less obvious heroic actions we can take as Jesus followers. And there is one less obvious action in Abraham's life, something that he did a lot and repeatedly performed that we're going to look at today. And that um, less obvious heroic action of Abraham is this, is that Abraham was a man of prayer. Alright, he was a man of prayer. What we see in Abraham's life, and we're going to look at a couple of passages in just a second, is Abraham, he had these incredible, deep, face-to-face encounters with the Lord. He saw his face, his presence. But the fact of Abraham's prayer life that we're going to look at is this. Abraham, in the midst of his prayer life, had a very strong component of outwardly focused prayer. When I say outwardly focused, I just mean the fact that Abraham was really committed to and repeatedly spent a lot of time 
praying for other people, we can also spend a lot of time praying for the will of God to happen here. Um, kind of the big Bible summary word that is Abraham was an intercessor. But he had this amazing outward focus in prayer where he really spent a lot of time praying for people he had a relationship with. And he also spent a lot of time praying for the will of God to happen here. And so we're going to be talking about today the heroic action that you and I need to really begin to implement in our lives is this whole idea of shifting our prayer lives where we have more power focus. And we're going to unpack that in just a minute. And so I want us to look at a couple of quick stories just to get an idea of what we're talking about. Um, first, Abraham, he prayed for other people. Look at Genesis 17. I'm just going to read it. It's not a PowerPoint. Uh, this is verse 15. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer called her Sarah. Um, she spelled Sarah with an I at this point. It says her name will be Sarah with an H. Again, there's that name change like with Abraham. I will bless her and surely will give, give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell down. This is fantastic. Abraham fell down and laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man at 100 years old? I mean, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? 90? And Abraham said to God, um, only addition of my live under your blessing. Anyway, um, so right here we see this encounter with the Lord, and Abraham and God are talking, and God's like, hey, you're going to have a son. You're 99, your wife's 90, it's going to happen. And in this particular episode, Abraham laughs, and he's like, no way. But what we see is that Abraham, he was praying for his wife, he was praying for Sarah. And so right in the middle of Abraham's life, he was always praying for Specifically, he was praying for his wife, and he prayed for loved ones. And he had several conversations with God about Sarah, and he was just somebody who prayed outwardly for other people. So that's the first thing that Abraham did in terms of having outward prayer. And the second example I said was Abraham prayed for the will of God to happen here. And this is Genesis 18, starting in verse 20. The Lord and Abraham are talking, and there's a group of men here with Abraham that says, The Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see what they have done. See if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that is reaching. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing with the Lord. And Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the pleasure to save the fifty righteous people? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, to treat the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Lord, will not the judge of the earth be right? And the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I'll spare the whole place. So, this story right here, God wants to destroy the city, uh, these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, they're just really wicked cities. And Abraham comes for the Lord and cries out, and He's like, Lord, do something to this time, fight them out. You know, what, what if there's some righteous people that you're just going to kill everybody? And so the Lord, he and Abraham have this conversation, and the Lord's like, we need to pray for ourselves. Please hear me on that. I'm not saying you should stop praying for yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But there needs to be a shift where our entire prayer life, there has to be an outward component. We can't spend all of our time praying for ourselves. I'll tell you a quick story. I knew a pastor, he made a, he wanted to grow in prayer, so he wanted to. He was like, okay, you know what? For a month, I'm just not going to pray for myself and my body. It was just kind of a random decision he made. And he started to do it, and he said, I have nothing to pray about. At first, he's like, I, I didn't realize I spent so much on 
said, when I removed that component, there was nothing there. And he said he really had to retrain himself how to pray. And this is just a common thing. We pray for ourselves. I don't want to say too much. I'm not saying we need to stop praying yourself totally, but you still need, you need to add at least some kind of outward component. You see what I'm saying? We need to make that shift. And this is what made Abraham a hero in terms of prayer. He has such a strong outward focus in prayer. Abraham prayed for himself. Yeah, he prayed his life. He prayed for himself. He spent time talking to God about what was going on with him. And we're supposed to do that. But we have to include in our prayer life an outward focus where we pray for others and we're praying for the will of God to happen in the earth. And one of the things that we want to be aware of is this. We know what a weapon prayer is. Like we have, it's, it's funny, as followers of Jesus, we have really great prayer instincts and we have really bad prayer instincts at the same time. We know instinctively when we follow Jesus that, you know what, we know that prayer is what brings God's presence and His activity and His goodness into our life to help us deal with situations, to help us grow and move us forward. We know that instinctively. That's why we pray for ourselves when we're supposed to. The problem is, we don't focus that also outward, but we have a calling to which through prayer we release God's presence and activity and goodness into the life of others and in so that the world of God can happen in here. And so all of this is just to say, I'm not saying we've got to stop praying for ourselves. Not what I'm saying. We just need to shift our prayer lives probably a little bit. I know I do, where I spend more time praying for others and praying for the world. I want to say that this is really a heroic thing to do. This is really heroic. Prayer is the weapon, it's the avenue, it's the vessel, whatever you want to call it. It is the thing God has given us in the history. And it is the thing. Prayer is the most important part of your life and life. It is the highest calling for your men and women in your prayer. And so we want to walk in this correctly. We want to walk in this faith. You want to pray that Jesus wants us to pray. Does he want you to pray for yourself? 100% yes. But does he call you to pray for others? Pray for his will to happen in the earth? 100%. And so at the end today, we're going to talk a couple minutes and just for you to kind of think about your prayer life and you know, are you praying for others? And are you praying for the will of God to happen there? We'll get to that. We're going to have a little bit of time just to think about that. So I want to take this message, kind of kind of talk about this kind of big picture. This is the calling we have to really bring it down into our lives so we can know how to apply it. So let me just say a couple of things. When I say we need to pray for other people, we need to pray for the will of God to happen here. I want to give you a way to do that. So the first thing is praying for other people that you have a relationship with. Just the way you begin to think about okay, who are the people in my sphere of influence that I need to be praying for? Just to think about that. Who do I have a relationship with that the Lord wants me to pray for? So for example, if you're married, it goes without saying that I'll say it. You need to be praying for your spouse. And I can tell you as a pastor, I'm not throwing this out at anybody here. I'm just saying, I have talked to people who are married, and they are like, yeah, I never pray for my spouse. And I kind of want to be like, yeah, they're loving and be like, you want to say, you want to bring them back, basically. You're like, okay, let's talk about that. And they're like, you kidding it. Um, but that is a real thing. Like, you should be praying for your spouse. If you're a parent, you should be praying for your kids. You spend a lot of time praying for your kids. I mean, kids are a blessing, and they are a headache, and they're wonderful. And man, you will never grow as a person than raising kids. So you need to pray. 
something's going on with them, and you need to be praying for those people. You might have a coworker, somebody who you become friends with, maybe they know the Lord, maybe they don't, and you need to be praying for them. Whatever it is, just to look at your relationships. Okay, who's in my sphere of influence? What are some of the people, who are some of the people I know? What are some of the relationships God's given me that I can be praying for? So I just want to begin to think that way. So that's the first thing. The second one is that praying for the will of God happened here. Now, there are a, I don't know, probably an infinite amount of problems on the earth and things we could be praying for. And if God directs you to pray for certain things, that's awesome. I'm not telling you not to follow that, but you can listen to that. But I would say this. This is a good place to start. In terms of us praying for the will of God happening here, you really need to be praying. Part of your prayer life is to be for this church. If you're part of this church, you need to be praying for one another. This is the end of this hospital. Um, the Bible says that you know, the church would be a house of prayer, and you need to be praying for this church. Now, I work here, so part of my job is to pray for this church, so that's a little different for you all. But in terms of praying for the world of God to happen in the earth, start here by praying for this church. Pray that the Holy Spirit will be the power here, that God will transform lives. But that you would really spend some time, and I'm not going to tell you how often or how frequently, but part of your prayer life should be praying for one another. I can just tell you this we need all pray. We've got an awesome staff, we've got great leaders, but we need everybody who would say, This is my church, Mark Bowen, or I go to church.
Thank you. 